tonight and able to bring the open the word to you. If you have your Bibles, we'll open to Colossians chapter 3, familiar passage tonight. We really want to talk about or bring the message tonight from, from Colossians 3, verse 16, from the avenue of, or through the lens, I suppose, of congregational singing. You know, singing in church services is not something that we do just to fill time. It's not something that we do to help us feel like we're in church. It's not something that we do in order to allow the latecomers to get a seat. And it's not something that we do simply to create a mood. Now, I say all that, and unfortunately, that's not characteristic of many other churches. And many of you know that because you've come from other churches where some of those or many of those things have been true. And I'm, I'm, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but I'm very, very grateful for our pastor. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative Christian music guy. You understand that. And you know... <laughs> Hi, Gail. <laughs> but... You know that our pastor is that way too. I, I never get a little nudge or a push to, hey, why don't we? And so many of my friends do in other churches. Hey, why don't you try this? We'll, you know, the old, we'll get more people if you just include this kind or that kind or, or what, what have you of music. But if we're not careful to answer the question, the question of, of why do I sing in church? If we're not careful to answer that question scripturally and with care, scripturally, a scriptural philosophy can be replaced with practicality, personal preference, and emotions. That's where so many of our Really, who otherwise you might think from the pulpit and from their preaching are really somewhat fundamental. But yet, the music is outside of that. So, I'd like to start with, there's about three different facets of the message tonight. We're going to start in um, four, maybe five. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see how many we have. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in in you richly, the word of Christ, the gospel that has been given to us. But it's not just enough that it's given to us. It must dwell in us. It must, if you will, take up residence. And I think it was Matthew Henry said, not take up residence like a renter or like a servant, but take up residence in you, in, in I, as the master. The word of God must take up residence in us as, as the master. 
and our lives as though he is the master and not as a servant. Then God's word will lead us into all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Notice that all we all know that our song can be used for praise, right? This, these last several weeks, our, our songs have been centered around praise and about thanksgiving of our God, and rightly so. But this scripture goes on to tell us that teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs... So notice here in Colossians 3.16 that the song is to be used for teaching as well as to encouraging one another to do right. We see the Psalms. Different folks say different things about what what the word Psalms here. Some some of the strictly the Psalm here in in verse 16 is referring to specifically the book of Psalms. Uh, Others believe it's as, as I do, that perhaps it's, it's the words of Scripture that are sung and put to music. We have some of those uh, in our, in our uh, hymn book. Hymns. I like to think of hymns as the, the singing praise to God for who he is. The spiritual songs, I believe all of our songs should be to the Lord, So, again, singing praise to God for what he's done for me. Maybe you might consider that a testimony of song. We have many of those in our hymn book as well. So, lastly, the verse ends with singing with grace in your hearts. Singing with grace. Even in this, of singing praise, of singing uh, admonition of singing teaching in our songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We need God's grace. Singing with grace in your hearts. Grace, that supernatural enabling of God's power to do what he asks us to do. In this case, to sing. We need God's help. We need God's grace. We need his enabling power as we sing to the Lord. All right, so that's our basis tonight is Colossians 3, verse 16. I would also like to uh, look at uh, Kenneth Osbeck, his, uh, <coughs> excuse me, his response to this question, why do I sing in church? Now, he's written several books along the lines of ministry of music, and this one specifically is called The Ministry of Music, and he has six answers to that question, six responses. First, he says, we sing because we're commanded. We know, we can go throughout the Psalms and in other portions of Scripture, that we are commanded to sing to God. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at his remembrance of his holiness. Psalm 33, verses 2 and 3 says, Praise the Lord with harp and sing unto him with psaltery, with an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song and play skillfully with a loud noise. Isaiah 12, 5, Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. All commands for us to sing. So we are commanded 
to sing. Why do we sing in church? We're commanded to sing in church. Uh, number two, to sing praise and worship to our God. Why do we sing in church? We sing to praise and worship our Lord. Psalm 9, verse 11, sing praise to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. Psalm 92, verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto his name, O Most High. Um, Isaiah 44, verse 23. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Why do we sing as a congregation? We sing to praise and worship our Lord. Number three. We sing in church to reinforce spiritual truths. Okay. Now, obviously, these are not necessarily new thoughts for you, but I hope that it'll serve as reminders that as you sing as a congregation, as a church, as we get together, why do I sing? Why do I sing? I sing to reinforce these spiritual truths that I may already know. Mr. Osbeck says that we sing in church to teach and reinforce spiritual truths. Of course, we find that in our passage from tonight that we looked at briefly, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We also see that in Ephesians 5.18 and 19. We see the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So why do I sing in church? I sing in church to reinforce spiritual truths. Number four, we sing in church to testify, right? To share our testimony, though, albeit corporately and together, but I trust you sing from your hearts. We sing in church to provide individuals with an outlet for expression of personal soul attitudes and experiences which often are difficult to express in one's own words. Poets and hymn writers of years gone by, sometimes the testimonies of their writing them down is that it all came in a flash, as though God just gave it to them and they could hardly write fast enough. Others maybe took days or weeks as they wrote their verse down and try and get it just right to fit in the meter, etc. But all is their expression of their testimony of how God has worked in their lives. I'm not saying that's absent in our modern day hymn writers, but it seems to me that is it's become a profession. It's become a way for them to make money. Not all. I just think we need to be careful in which ones we choose. Hymn writers of 
yesteryear and, and many of the ones that you'll find in our hymn book and hymn books like it were preachers of maybe 100 years ago or 200 years ago or, or older. These were men who knew the Bible and they wrote in verse, in rhyme, if you will, that it could be set to meter and it could be set to a tune easily so that they could share it with others so that you and I could sing, It is well with my soul. We could sing, When peace like a river. We could sing, Like a river glorious, etc. These men whose... Who's Life's experiences led them as an outflow of their heart to testify in song. And so then we, as we sing their songs, we testify with them anew in our hearts as we sing with grace in our hearts. God enabling us, enlightening our minds and our hearts, not just to sing a song that we've sung for as long as we can remember, but to actually make that connection and have it be from our heart with understanding. We sing in church to testify. Number five, we sing in church to unify the believers. It provides a mean, again, Mr. Osbeck says, it provides a means of unifying a group around a, a, um, excuse me, provides the means of unifying a group around a common channel for an individual to join together in worship, prayer, and praise. It really, except for the occasion, rarely, as we did this morning, where we all read the scriptures together. Isn't that wonderful? But weekly, or, or several times a week as we gather together, we open up our hymn book and we, in unison... We all sing and proclaim the same words. We corporately identify with one truth at the same time that we really don't do in any other element of, of our service where we verbally affirm a truth in unison together. And that's valuable for you and for me to do that together. We sing in church to unify the believers. And then lastly, we sing in church to prepare the hearts for the preaching. Now, probably most of us, if you were asked, why do you sing in church? We would probably go right to number six, right? Oh, it's to prepare the heart for preaching. And isn't that, isn't that true? But what does that, what does that mean, prepare the heart for preaching? That means that we're tuning our hearts to be one with the Lord's, with his purpose. To bring ourselves under and into the right mental and spiritual attitude to be able to receive the truths that our pastor, our preacher is going to open up and share with us from God's word means that during the beginning parts of the service, as we open our hearts to sing, to pray as we sing, to be taught, 
to testify all through song as we do all of this. That by doing that, we're opening our hearts to God and to his word. We sing with grace in our hearts. We sing making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We sing to prepare our hearts, to tune our hearts to sing his praise. So the Spirit of God will enable us to sing in a way that is pleasing to him as we yield ourselves to him when we purposefully direct our hearts and thoughts toward God. Right? It's not an empty ritual. Well, it could be. But then it's lost its purpose. And it's lost its meaning for you individually. It's your responsibility to, as you sing, as you read the screens, open the hymnal, whatever helps you to best worship, as it were, to open your hearts and your minds to be engaged individually in this in this worship in that through through these hymns through through music and of course to praise and worship or pray as we think then we will learn to listen to God as he speaks has the spirit of God nudged you in the middle of a hymn service i'm sure he has he has me have you had in, in while, while singing a, a, a hymn, perhaps create in me a clean heart or just as I am or have thine own way or some other, even, you know, sometimes those small phrases just jump out at you. That's the Holy Spirit. He's ministering grace to you in your heart. So then when my focus is on God, when I'm singing, I can be comforted through these hymns. I'm sure many of you, as I have, remember being in times of deep trial. and, And a hymn or a song service never meant so much to me as when I considered myself very needy desperately needy. Isn't that a time for each of us? Shouldn't we come to our services always considering ourselves desperately needy? Needy for for God. Needy for his word. So I can be comforted. I can be encouraged in those times. As God speaks to me and I open my heart back to him and ask forgiveness for those things that he opens my eyes for. I can be forgiven. You can be forgiven after a confession in the middle of a hymn. Anytime. But if we are engaged, we can be giving testimony together, preparing for the preaching of God's word, focusing on God, confessing our sin, allowing the spirit of God to speak to me all before pastor even steps into the pulpit. Can you imagine how much more we would receive from the preaching of God's word if we took care of all of that in the hymn service? 
That'd be wonderful. I brought this before, I, I think, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. But John, John Wesley, he wrote uh, a, a, a short book, and he gave uh, a hymn book. And, and he, in the front cover of that, he gave a preface, and it was called The Instructions for Singing. All right? Now, this is 1761. And the few instructions say this. He says, learn these tunes before learn any others, and afterward learn as many as you please. Secondly, he says, sing them exactly as they're printed here, without altering or mending them at all. Uh, and if you have learned to sing them, otherwise unlearn them as soon as you can. Next, he says, sing all. He says, see that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. And let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. He says, if it is a cross, perhaps you don't like to sing. John Wesley says, if it's a cross, take it up and you will find a blessing. All right, these last four, he says this. He says, sing lustily. Mm. And with good courage, he says, beware of singing as though you were half dead or half asleep. But lift your voice with strength. Okay, this is 1761. Lift your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of, I love this, I'm sorry, but be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of it being heard than when you sang the songs of Satan. Next, he says, sing modestly. Now, he says, don't bawl, B-A-W-L, so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation that you may not destroy the harmonies, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear melodious sound. He says, sing in time. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before or stay behind, but attend close to the leading voices so that you move therewith and as exactly as you can and take care of not singing uh, too slowly. This drawing away the natural naturally stays on all who are lazy. The drawing away, the slowing down. Uh, and it's high time to drive it out of us and to sing all our tunes just as quickly as we did at the first. Now, some of those are more practical measures, but when they're not adhered to, they can very definitely draw away from the purpose of our singing together. Now, lastly, I really go through all those to come to this last one. He says this in the last of the instructions of singing. He says, above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound. But offered to God continually, so shall your singing be such as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. We have a few minutes left tonight. I'd like to allow you to practically apply the things that we went over tonight. So if you take your hymnal, or if you prefer to watch the screen, we are going to sing a few songs in our last few minutes together.
First, I thought we would sing uh, some songs of the words of Scripture. Okay, so 152 is the Lord's my shepherd. You know that as Psalm 23. 150. Encourage you. We won't take the time to sing all the stanza. We'll just sing the first stanza. 152, remain seated. So that is, that's Psalm 23 put to verse. It's from the Scottish Psalter. Uh, it goes through the entire psalm in verse. Um, today is the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. We're not quite December yet, but we are going to choose another hymn, 216, uh, which is from Luke 2, verses 18 through 24. So while shepherds watch their flock... 216 if you're in your hymn book again we'll just sing the first stanza while shepherds watch their So that's what I would consider from Colossians 3.16 as the Psalms, the words of Scripture that we put to music. Next, we talk about songs that praise God for who He is. We sang this morning, and we have sung many of those songs, I've said, especially in the last couple of weeks. This morning, we sang the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's sing hymn 79, To God Be the Glory. To God be the glory, hymn 79. Sing from your heart, sing praise to God, and we'll just do it together using all the same words, okay? To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Life and atonement for sin, and open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father. Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Amen. We sing to worship God. We have hymns such as, O Worship the King, or Holy, Holy, Holy. We sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness this past week. And last Sunday we sang, How Great Thou Art. We sing songs of testimony. 
And this is one that we haven't sung in a while. It's not in our book. He took my sins away. Is that familiar to enough that we could a few? All right, let's, let's try it. We'll just sing the first stanza. Again, it's not in our book. He took my sins away. testimony. We could all sing together, I'm so glad he took my sins away. One of my favorites, we're not going to take the time to sing, is Jesus is all the world to me. My testimony that I can sing together with you. We sang this this morning of thanking God as we sing. We sang, thank you, Jesus. Last week we sang, now thank we all our God. What about songs of teaching? I'm going to sneak one or two more in here. So 277, I've mentioned this, I think, even the last time. We sang, we're going to sing the, I'm sorry, 227. 227, hark the herald angels sing. And we're going to sing the second stanza. I want you to notice the various doctrines that you'll find here as we sing, as we can teach others. Don't you love to hear these doctrinally sound Christmas carols in the middle of the shopping stores and shopping malls? I do, it's great. All right, on the second stanza. Christ, my highest heaven adored, Christ the tells us that we sing to admonish one another, to, to instruct one another. We have hymns such as, take time to be holy. We have hymns such as, who is on the Lord's side, admonishing one another to do right. We have songs that we sing to commit ourselves to God. We have songs such as, be thou my vision, that we pray as we sing. As we pray, we won't take time to sing it, but let me just remind you of that text. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Take time. These, these songs... <clears throat> that you have sung for years and, and decades, many of us. The words just trip off of your tongue. But do they register 
in your mind and in your spirit. I'm just going to end with a very familiar 494, have thine own way, Lord. And I just ask you to sing it to the Lord. Lord, even while I'm singing, can you have your way this week as I go into my busy schedule? Have your own way. As I come back on Wednesday or as I come back on Sunday and I sing, Lord, remind me that I need to be of purpose as I sing and not fulfill a ritual of coming to church and singing a, a hymn. Make it, as we sing, let's stand together. We'll just sing the first stanza together. Have thine own way, Lord.